0: Nothing on the TV, antics, road tricks, finishing Borderline i celebrity cause we're the beast, just not the part then So grab a beer and have a bath with some tunes inside my head Relax and try and have a laugh with the boys from in the machine
1: doing? Oh, I'm good, man. It's another episode of Science Vinyl. It is. You and know not just another episode. It's the final episode. I didn't know that. We've come to the end. Episode 8? Episode 8. Well, i to episode 7. We haven't done episode 7 <laughs> yet.
2: So it's like the Beatles, Abbey Road and Let It Be. Exactly right. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. then. So we're, what are we now? We're, we're, Abbey we're Abbey
1: Road. We're Abbey Road. We're Abbey Road. Are come we Let together. It Be? I can't remember. No, that. Let It Be was the last one.
2: Yeah, but it was recorded before Abbey Road. That's right. So we're doing
1: abbey yeah. road yeah all right we're doing abbey road yeah all right and come together great, great. it's a great album abbey road <laughs> we should any. do abbey road <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. oh anyway we're here at king's
2: college and um we're in a room in guy's tower again which is our normal establishment because yep. we're actually running a podcast workshop
1: where are sometime. we ta- can you believe nick people we've convinced people that we're so good at this that people want to hear how we do it
2: I'm, i can hear the laughter <laughs> <almost> <laughs> the, mocking. The, the, the mocking the future laughter <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of echoing down through a time tunnel in the future of maybe three bedrooms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, but it's great to be here at Kings. I,
1: I, I was a bit late this morning, Steve.
2: Yeah, what's up? My train crashed into a tree. What,
1: what did you? What happened? Bit windy. Bit windy. I think it's you can't win- expect a five hundred ton piece of thing to to work in the wind, can you? Not really, no. No, it'd just no. be unreasonable. No. We only invented trains.
2: No. But I got here eventually. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here, here.
1: And we've got a full programme, haven't we, today? We've got a full programme. Podcasting, chatting. And music. And most importantly, science vinyl. Oh, should we start? Yeah. Great. Nick! Here to talk about Rush, Nick. We, oh, my God. Was R- it hard to choose which album you wanted to do? Um, I don't think it was, really, actually. For, for anyone that hasn't listened to Science Final before, can you just communicate, one, what Science Final is, and two, why you love Rush so much? Because I don't think most most people won't really see the love of Rush. So In fact, people some people... People not even know who Rush <laughs>
2: are. If moment. you
1: can even believe it.
2: <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, so... Um, Science final. it is a uh, podcast where we select albums often classic albums or albums of some interest and reputation we talk about the music and we try and link some of the tracks on each of the albums to scientific concepts so we use the music as a peg to hang off Numerous nuggets
1: of scientific loveliness, that and that's what we will be doing. <laughs> and what, what what peg are we hanging our, our science loveliness off today? This peg is perhaps one of the
2: most ornate, prestigious <laughs> and lovely pegs that we have ever encountered in the science, yet it's the peg of Rush.
1: <laughs> oh. So if anyone hasn't come across Rush, they're a kind of Canadian progressive rock band that have an, I would say pathological following people that love it they just love rush more than uh, they have su- their, their followers just just absolutely adore them and you they certainly count yourself one of them that wouldn't that's
2: certainly true i'm a huge fan of rush i think it's kind of like i'm going to probably get a bit serious now okay Maybe I tear. i feel it in my bones right it's it's a,
1: a threat and what's the feel is it like is it is it joy is it, is it anger? Is it is it just... Is it's it, a is deep it, connection. Is it compassion? Yeah, it's a deep love. Right. It's, it's love. It's love. So like something you might feel w- about a kind of uh, uh, a pet. I or first heard Rush
2: and I remember the moment. Okay.
1: Paint, I was the, paint in the
2: picture. I was in an alleyway near a shop called Mancroft Stores. Right. Near where I lived in Wolverhampton. And I was about 12 years old. So here's Nick just walking down the street. No, I was with Chris Wankling. It's a yeah. good name, Chris Wankling. Yeah, and Chris friend Anderson, of the podcast. Friend of the podcast um and they were they they had a walkman and they said have you heard this band and they played me through earphones a bit of rush it was jacob's ladder from their 1980 <laughs> album permanent waves <laughs> and i remember
1: it and i remember thinking what
0: what is this
1: was it just like like it was uh, like, like a nuclear bomb went off inside it was your soul
2: operatic it was tight the drumming and the bass playing and the guitars <laughs> yeah. were just doing crazy things all separately but strangely together it was a bit of a revelatory moment. So I started to buy Rush's albums from that from that time. And um, I've been a fan ever since. The thing about Rush's and I think this is true for a lot of probably particularly British Rush fans, is that they were so non mainstream for so many years and they still aren't mainstream. Right. But you'd and in those days, you know, the nineties. Yeah. I mean, how, it, it, was the la- it was the language
1: with which, which young people spoke for a long time, right? It was what kind of music do you like? That's yeah, yeah. The, you know, you'd certainly associate. But it wasn't in those any.
2: Groups. You'd never. You had no internet then, and every bit of social stuff, you know, was from the TV or yeah. the radio. And bands like Rush were never on the TV, and they were never on the radio, and consequently, it was really hard to find out about them. So there was a mystique.
1: So it's like a little secret. You didn't. But like I found yet. it, and you, you haven't, haven't found it me yet.
2: Me and Chris and Chris, and we love Rush, and no one else. Like knew them or when they heard a bit of them they would be ridiculous because the singer has a very high voice (laughs) and they sing about dungeons and dragons
1: (laughs) so we were like these and writing i was talking about it uh, earlier but is there an album when they fly a a spaceship through a black hole two albums (laughs) so (laughs) farewell to kings is a song
2: called cygnus x1 which is named after the first black hole to be discovered right that's and that's about a chap who flies in his spaceship into the black hole okay it's about his experiences you know going through the galaxy and then on the next album there's a side long epic (laughs) called cygnus x1 book two hemispheres (laughs) which is split into several parts many of them named after greek gods and it's after he's popped out the other side of the black hole he's in this land of the gods in olympus and there's a battle going on there between the heart and the mind of the human spirit (laughs) the mind wins for a time but then passes over, okay. in the heart. I'm going I'm to move this and on. And both Let's move this succumb. on, otherwise
1: we'll end up. And he <laughs> brings balance because you need the heart. Anyway, okay. Anyway, I, so it's I, the secret—the secret that people didn't know about. And now, in the late, in more 80s recent early years, 90s.
2: more recent years, they've become a bit more known because of the internet and because there's a certain. I wouldn't. I'd hesitate to say cool. But they are influential and a lot of quite cool I people. I would also it, hesitate to say cool. A lot of quite <laughs> cool people like Steven Spielberg and other well known yep. people, Jack Black, you know, all of these sort yep. of people who've risen through. They're the
0: two young. coolest people you can
1: think of. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was gonna say Sebastian Bach from Skid Row and I thought <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> anyway, should we get on with it. Moving pictures is where they started to do a lot more pop synth type stuff, and it's got Tom Sawyer on it, which is it's why I think most, cheese. which is why most people would know it. Well Tom Sawyer on it. So you've got to re- imagine 1981 now. Yep, Okay. This the year is before I was born. Th- this is the year that the uh, the Sinclair ZX81 computer home right. computer was released. Is that the one with wood veneer on it? No, I think it's a plasticky looking right, thing. Right. Okay. Pre- precursor of the Spectrum. Okay. Um, lots of other stuff was going on. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy first broadcast on BBC Two. Very cool. Yorkshire Ripper got put in jail. So there's some cheerful ones coming yeah. up. <laughs> and the Botham Test was going on. The famous Headingley right. Botham Test of 1981. So it was a kind of you can imagine 81. So sort of the transition from the 70s to the 80s. Yeah. People with sort of big Luke Skywalker hair. Yeah. Lots of lots flares of gin were being eaten. Disappearing, but some people still wearing flares bit of bleepy electronic stuff and ladies wearing makeup with big hair. Right. Anyway, and so 1981. Okay. Great. So this is when Moving Pictures came out. Yeah. And um, this is the album we're going to talk about today. It's the eighth studio album by Rush. Okay. Um, it's, like I said, one of the times when they started the previous album, Permanent Waves, was the first time they'd started to just do four-minute songs rather than side-long <laughs> epics. And this album has seven tracks, in it and they're all brilliant and beautiful, and I think we're going to cruise through them today. We certainly are. In way, aren't we, Steve?
1: Well, and I can think of no better way than to conclude uh, the first season of Science Vinyl than with a Rush album.
0: A Monday warrior, me, means today's Tom Sawyer, you me. <laughs> oh, that's
1: so good. You, like, I, oh, there's, there's a certain... Oh, my goodness, it's Like, me. I mean, I, I was present. I've been, you know, I've known Nick for just over a decade now. I was present at his wedding. I've seen him through mm. the good times and bad, you know. But I don't think I've ever seen him so happy as when he listens to Rush. No. Or even just thinks about listening to Rush. No. It just There's just this kind of wave of euphoria that, that you know, it's, you're nearly as happy as my dog is when she's got a stick. Yeah. Nearly that happy. Uh, I don't think anything's ever can be that happy.
2: (laughs) But after, you know, sometimes after I listen to Rush, I feel like having a cigarette. It's (laughs) that
1: pleasurable. (laughs) Oh, it does that to you, huh? Right. So, Tom Sawyer. Episode 1, what a way to open the album. So, I was thinking about, I feel a real weight. Not only because this is Tom Sawyer, but also because it's rushed to, to kind of, to, to think up good things to talk to you about. So, I was, you know, we're both, not only are we both fans of uh, science, and we're fans of music, but one of the things I think we've spoken about before is um, uh, Desert Island Discs. Mm-hmm. And there was someone on Desert Island Discs, who you may or may not know, uh, who chose Tom Sawyer as oh I know who his, that
2: was who was it it was uh, the dude who did Wikipedia that's right Jimmy Wales I know so I know I've, got, I I've know
1: got a couple of d- I know some information like, about do you Tom not so- think
2: I've ever googled <laughs> has Rush ever been selected
1: on this? of course I have <laughs> have you googled Rush more than your own name uh, I doubt it <laughs> I doubt it um, so no, anyway, Jim, Jimmy Wales uh, founded Wikipedia I've got a couple of bit factoids about Jimmy Wales that, and Wikipedia because I think it's quite an interesting thing so Wikipedia is the fourth most visited uh, site on the internet. Nick, um, when how old do you think it is?
2: Oh, it's probably like ridiculously young, like two thousand one or something. Bang like that. on! Fifteenth really? of January two thousand and one. No
0: way! That's, That's a was, good guess. Yeah, it's a very good guess. That always um, frightens
1: me—the whole growth of the internet. Because yep, two thousand five was YouTube. Nineteen ninety seven was was, uh, um, uh, was uh, Google. But like, there's a you know when you kind of look through, I've got some couple of facts about Wikipedia, but, but staying with Jimmy Wales. How much do you reckon his net worth is, considering he's the f- he's the creator of the fourth most visited site on the internet?
2: Well, famously, he it's a labour of love. He's a um, sort of world benefactor, so probably not Absolutely. very much, no, like a million said,
1: quid. Exactly right. I reckon he's worth about a million quid. Yeah. He's the only. His wife famously said that she married uh, one of the only uh, the, the most visible people on the internet, not to be a billionaire. Yeah, true. Um, but I wouldn't expect
2: anything less of a Rush fan, morally.
1: No, exactly. We like that. <laughs> we like that. So. Um, so, so there's quite a, quite quite criticism for Wikipedia about um, its uh, factual accuracy, right? Because obviously you've got something like on one end, prior to Wikipedia, you had things like the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is made by a small number of people, but normally quite quite skilled people with experience and, and, and knowledge and, and and qualifications. On the other end, you have this kind of Wikipedia where it's you know it's just you know anybody can contribute to it, but because lots of people are reading it and and engaging with it, then they correct they error correct. Yeah. Right?
2: Can I just can I also digress there? So I famously have
1: edited. I've edit- edited Wikipedia.
2: Loads yeah, of times. and I've got an edit on it. And it's it's about Rush. <laughs> and it's on. It's on. It's about the film I Love
1: You, Man. Um, but yeah. So what do you think is true? Do you think it's 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 more or less likely um, to be factually accurate uh, than than other sources of information?
2: I think it's probably similar, to be honest.
1: Yeah. So they published a paper in Nature in 2005. Um, Uh, where they compute they compute exactly this and also another paper in plus one called accuracy and completeness of drug information in wikipedia in comparison with standard textbooks of pharmacology right Uh, which is slightly less and the the both of these um uh studies found exactly that, that that it's about as good so so it's about 80 high 80 percent accuracy for both wikipedia in general yeah and that, and also true of the encyclopedia Britannica. Is basically people are fallible so even if so if you get one person to be an expert in science and medicine and art and history and all that then eventually they make mistakes and so yeah. um, but in the case of science and this and and uh, uh, pharmacology and, and drug information where you can it's very easy to find that information wikipedia is super super accurate 99.7 percent plus or minus 0.2 percent when compared to textbook data, wow. um, it's probably all
2: to... just rehash from textbooks. To be honest, well,
1: well, probably, yeah, and ph- yeah. various pharmacopias. Yeah. But the point is, it's it's interesting because it's not actually, um you know, people think, you know, I'm sure you complain when your undergraduates come in and they cite Wikipedia in, in a in a in some. No, I of don't mind. Thing. I think it's as it, long as they put it there. I and mean, it's difficult because it changes, so it's very difficult to, yeah. to make citations. And the problem with Wikipedia is it's v- v-
2: badly written.
1: <laughs> some, it's really
2: badly written and badly edited. I think generally it's often
1: really poorly written.
2: If you compare, because like, I was doing this well, that, today... What,
1: what that tells you, Nick, if you if you comp- is that, the, the, is that you th- that's what you think about the average human.
2: one of the best and sort of strangest tunes about a car that's ever been written do you know uh, what a red barchetta is? no do you know what it means? no so it means little boat in yeah. Italian right do you want to see an example of a barchetta? go then. there what, it is what does There's red one. mean little? no red means red but barchetta means, means a little, little boat. boat Okay. Yeah. Barch, I guess. Barchetta, yeah. little right. boat. There's an image of That's one. That's a beautiful there. car. So it can be it can be used for any beautiful, basically two car. usually two seated open roof sports car. Anyway, for a, a good example of one would be like the Ferrari, one six six S. Very famous, expensive sports car. Yeah. So, as you will have heard, you may have heard in the tune, or you may be hearing in the background at the moment. Neil comes across a gleaming Allen air car in the tune so night. the story is he's racing around the story in the lyrics the in story. the lyrics it's yeah. Russian often literal right <laughs> <laughs> so Neil Peart there's often a story is to a be liter- told literal yes so it's about a story when he visits his ju- probably quite dubious uncle who lives right. in the countryside it appears to be a
1: bachelor or something right And he's got a so it's with an I, basically is there? <laughs> um,
2: so I'm not imagining it would be Monty Monty okay. would never get in that car okay fair enough anyway so he, he gets in the car and he goes for a spin. And it's some set sometime in the future. Yeah. When real cars with real petrol engines are not really around.
0: Which is
1: so very kind of
2: going back to the roots and thraping this thing around, the smell of petrol, the sound I'm of the engine, it. wind in his hair, all those okay. sorts of things. He's back with Monty again, obviously. Anyway, so basically but as he's going along, he comes across some some of the roses, Right. The roses. Roses.
1: And he mentions he sees a gleaming,
2: a gleaming alloy air car.
1: A gleaming alloy air car.
2: So I never knew what an air car was. Okay. In the past, I don't know how many years of my existence, I never really understood what an air car was. It's a car powered by compressed air. Ooh. Have you heard of these before? No. Well, they actually exist. So the air is stored in a tank in the car at a pressure of something like 31
1: megapascals.
2: What's that in PSI? I don't know what it's
1: in psi,
2: but it's a 310 bar. Okay, so, so it's, it's incredibly so high. So high, but not
1: crazy high. So if you no, buy, no. if you get a bottle of like nitrogen or something, they'll have a bit 200. Something bar. like that. So, yeah. so okay, so it's a so bit it's high higher, pressure.
2: Yes, high pressure gas, and basically it's like any gas. Obviously, if you open the valve, yeah, the gas expands. comes out under high pressure. Yeah, the gas expands, and that is used to so you drive move the, the pistons.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, to okay. move the pistons
2: piston, in the engine. Is it a I turbine? Think, I think there's a variety of ways in which they're okay. driven, but Doesn't in this matter. case they drive pistons.
1: But there's no explosion, you're not burning no, petrol to make carbon dioxide and water. You're just use, You're using the energy in the, in the uh, motions of the molecules after they come out of the, t- the, the compressed yeah.
2: tank. Shooting along in one direction. Just yeah, you know these.
1: It's amazing really, isn't it? Do
2: you think they're any good?
1: Uh, no, I think it'd be awful. Why do you think it'd be awful? Because there's very little energy in, in intermolecular forces compared to intermolecular forces. But yes. When you burn, when you burn, um, when you burn hydrocarbons, you're releasing the energy in a chemical bond. But do you want way to, more energy dense. Do you want to have
2: a bit of a guess as to how much less energy there is? I would say in uh, compressed air compared with, let's say, a ba- battery.
1: Compared to a battery,
2: well, like a lithium-ion battery or something. Yeah. So uh, you know, let's let's say the unit is watt hours per liter.
1: Just for, for argument's <laughs> sake. Let's just pick a unit out of the air. <laughs> watt hours per liter. So it's, um, just, an, it's think, just a measure of energy yeah, per of unit. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volume of um memory. so just it's the same as what you'd have on the back of your mobile phone or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I reckon it's gonna be at least a thousandfold.
2: Hundredfold. It, but having so. said that, there is there is a there is a, a car. Being manufactured called the Tartar
1: you know Tartar yeah, yeah, the India Tata Nano India company, yeah. and it's
2: going to be coming out in twenty twenty
1: with this powered by compressed air. It's powered
2: by compressed air. Yeah, it's called the Tata. So where,
1: where do you where do you top up your compressed air? Do you just go to a yeah, you your can your SO compress station. it. You
2: have a compressed thing in your house. You can you, do you know what you, could probably, in your house you could do with you could
1: probably do it you could probably go on board. Yeah, probably compress if you had a are. compressor.
2: You have a big fucking. I might slow you down a bit if you have a big light
1: well, you don't need a horn, I think about a petrol car, it's just got it's just got a, an air intake at the front. What, of the you car. Don't, need you don't need a horn. Why I do mean, you have a
0: car with like a massive You had a like, like
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Just slowing it down, just a big sail. Nick. Hmm, y, y, z.
2: This is one of the most boringly named tunes ever. Do you know why it's named YYZ? Of course I know why it's <laughs> <YYZ>. Tell me. <laughs> well, tap it out.
1: What Nick's doing here is playing the introductory Targemith signature yeah. of uh, YYZ.
2: And for those of you Morse code aficionados out there, will know that that was the Morse code for YYZ. Tap <laughs> tap in Neil's Festival, his ride symbol, I believe, and right. then his uh, drums. It's the airport code for Toronto International <laughs> Airport, of course. <laughs> That's how amazing Russia are. They name a tune after the a three little signature. code of Toronto International well, Airport. So like and LAX put it in Morse or, code.
1: or London Heathrow. Yeah. So why was it got me thinking about, uh, when I saw it, I thought about, uh, it made me think XXY. Yeah, And I was thinking about um, uh, uh, intersex people. And oh, right. At,
2: okay. Straight yeah.
1: off on one here. <laughs> yeah. Go <laughs> from Y Y Z to X X Y. Yeah. Fair enough. It's not the million miles away, is yeah, it? Right. You know. Far. And so, yeah. so to, I mean, as a as a biologist, just just explain a little bit about that. To, to, to
2: about think. what being intersect? Yeah. Why? Th- well, um, as many people sitting out there at the moment will know, um, you have pairs of chromosomes. Yep. In your body, so you have um, a total of forty six chromosomes, and there are twenty three pairs. And for each of those pairs, you inherit one from your mum, and one from your dad, and most of them are kind of, they're just regular autosome, they're called autosome or chromosomes, Mm -hmm. nothing special about them really, but two of them are very special, one pair is a bit different, that's a, a pair comprising
1: two, one is an X. It looks in the so and when one, you physically look at it when they condense it looks like an exactly, X. That's yeah. why it's called an X. Yeah. yeah, if
2: you blob them out on a glass slide and then you stain them up with a bit of dye and then you look at them, they look a bit like an I X thing. The, the first
1: people that discovered those must have been freaking out, right? Because the cells at some point, for most of the time, you can't see anything in the nucleus, and at some point they just all condense into these little forty-six little things in the middle. It's totally weird.
2: But anyway, if you're a girl, yep. usually you inherit an X from your dad and you inherit an X from your mum. Yep. And if you're a man. You inherit your X from your mum and your Y from your dad. So, by definition, a man—this is in old school, before yeah. before gender fluidity—a <laughs> um, well, man would yeah. be an X, have an X and a Y, and a woman would have an X and an X. And you do get times when the chromosomes they don't separate properly, and when the egg or the sperm is being made, and you end up with two or more extra ones. So you might end up with getting an X Y Y or an X X Y or a triple X, but it's pretty uncommon. And when that does happen. You get some sort of, usually pathological, um, uh, what you call phenotypes—the way that you look. You may have a disease, and yep. Steve I'm sure is going
1: to tell us about. Well, I, I, have, I have got some information on that, but actually I'm, I'm not going to dwell too the, on that for too long. So, so exactly right. There's been a bit of a controversy in the academic world recently, um, <clears throat> and I'm kind of intru- and I wanted to kind of talk to you about. It. You may have heard a little bit about it. Um, there's a there's a, a Canadian um, uh, academic professor of psychology. Called, is this a Rush reference? You know, this is. I'm afraid this is not. <laughs> unless it's like I'm doing some meta thing. I'm going to bring it back around. Um, called Jordan Peterson. Have you, you do you know anything about Jordan?
0: Oh, he rings a bell. I don't know why.
1: You might see him. He's so he's a big. He's a well. So as I said, he's a clinical psychologist. He's also um, a proper academic. You know, he's got published 250 papers. You know that kind of thing, right? He's a full oh, I professor. I think
2: I know. This is a guy this is like a racist guy he's, he's not he's racist, racist, but I'm about to so he, he
1: famously uh, there was a there was a bill in does he think um, that
2: there's some kind of racist intelligence no thing or... no no no, right. no no so
1: so what he did is there was a bill in canada heard called of c16 his name yeah, yeah. Why have I, heard of his name? I don't know well, I'm, I'm about to tell you Contra- so
2: controversial i can't he, actually...
1: he is controversial because there was this bill called c16 which was about the canadian government mandating speech and specifically the use of gender pronouns oh yeah and he famously um, refused to, he, he sued the, sued the uh, Canadian government and also refused at point blank in a university setting to, re, to use, well, to be forced to use people's gender pronouns, right? So he said, you know, right. never in, in common law history. He uh, doesn't
2: want to call someone a he or Doesn't want she. It, doesn't want
1: the government to tell him he has to.
2: He's a troublemaker. So he's
1: he? a troublemaker, but he's more of a, a proponent of free speech, right? Most but people, but people like, have seen you know that. Yeah. We'll just ignore that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everyone else will. <laughs> just get on with our lives, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he, he was interviewed for that on, on um, uh, Channel 4 News. Uh, oh, yeah. um, a very famous uh, with Cathy... Something, I can't remember Is surname. she the one with the blonde, uh, blonde, curly, blonde curly frizzy hair? Exactly. Oh, she's he, lovely. He, she intervie- he interviewed her, and he, had, nice. he has a really good interview. So is uh, sorry, just before I. So is Christian Guru Murthy. <laughs> yeah, we love Christian. Uh, yeah. Friend John, of the John John Snow, I've
2: gone off recently. I like his socks. Way too opinionated. <laughs> he should be a bit more. He's a more broadcaster. Neutral. No, no, he should be more
1: neutral. <clears throat> anyway, he. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> he um he, he he was interviewed by her and he's you know as an academic we're kind of trained to argue right and and he came in and Fuck he just off, he just feminine. destroyed her just yes, destroyed her in a in a in a um a question about amongst other things they were talking about um the um, fact that uh, men are paid more than women and there was we got into this big gender debate um, and he quite rightly said is that I think, you know, he said that, you know, if you look, it's a complicated issue. Uh, and if in, in most psychologists or any social scientists would consider, you know, gender is one of the things that is a predictor for uh, salary, you know. And, and, mm-hmm. it may, and there'll be a multivariate analysis where there'll be lots of things that predict uh, uh, salary. One of them will be gender, one of them will be age, one of them will be, you know, uh, um, various other things. And what's really interesting, which is what uh, got, is that there's... um. Psychologists over the last like 20 years have developed, you know, all these like psychology tests where you can know what kind of personality you have, right? So they're like the Briggs-Myers is a very famous one. But anyway... This is
2: whether you're like a wet blanket or a bastard yeah, exactly. <laughs> these ones
1: exactly but they they've now boiled it down they spent about the last 20 years in the literature boiling right. it down and there's called they're called the big 5 personality traits and these right. are these are actually what they consider currently the current the big uh, 5 big 5 it's personality traits some no nonsense these are these crap. no these so they they're have categorizing they have, it no but they have exactly they have a exactly gradual way, they have, no. the spectrum of people well, of course there's a spectrum but they're saying that but, but they've, they, picked, they've just chosen arbitrarily to pigeonhole these aren't it, these aren't just random people these are these are hundreds of people in all of developmental psychology that are trying to understand how to categorize human uh, the variety of human right. um, uh, um, personalities okay right, right. And there's five the right big after. five big uh personality i can tell okay, i can tell you on. about you about some, some of yours <laughs> all right, all right yeah. do you want to hear what they are if you want there's <laughs> <laughs> so there's openness conscientiousness extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism and oh, that right, okay. and that's what they've boiled down over this time okay. yeah, the, these are the things that seem to co- that that's all you need to be able to describe someone's personality right. and you're right there's a spectrum of that so someone, say it someone, again so there's openness openness right yeah. so appreciation for art emotion adventure curiosity and a variety of experiences oh, is, is right. characterized yeah, by openness great. and there's standard ways of testing oh that. are there Conscientiousness um, <laughs> about being easygoing or carefree tendency to be organised and dependable. Well, conscientiousness doesn't mean carefree, does no, no, stop it. These are technical terms. <laughs> stop being a prick, right? Um, but anyway, so the reason I told you this is that the, the, there's there's been a series of studies and actually a meta study done by the Harvard Business Review, right. um, About um, how uh, any of these uh, these big five personality traits correlate with uh, a variety of things, but the ones, one that looked at is personality, IQ, and lifetime earnings, right? Mm. And, and Bar- so the reason I spoke about this was kind of Jordan Peterson. Um, uh, he mentioned this idea that, that, um, that maybe gender uh, might not be the single biggest predictor for um, earnings. And actually what this big meta-study shows is that exactly it, but the single biggest predictor of it is um, this uh, term... Uh, yeah, but I
0: think they
2: are missing the point here. This isn't the point of the whole debate about gender and salary. The whole debate, no, sure, it's, no, no, no. It's
1: I, it's and, totally I, and I, and I don't want to get in that because that that's a big mess, and we're gonna and like we'll end up with like I don't want to get into the debate. Well, I isn't? do. I'm happy.
2: I, I mean, women <laughs> are generally paid less on average.
1: Yes, but the question is, why are they paid on average? Why are they paid Because
2: on there's a whole variety <clears throat> of things, meaning which, which society is a problem about it. And, Expectations, this, and, and you're like one roles, step behind me. All no, these no they've,
1: they've, they've, take, they've taken into account that they, they looked at something like 34 different variables, societal impact... <clears throat> um, their uh, background, uh, socioeconomic status, class—these kind of things. Yeah. right? but I bet you there
2: are counter. Ca- I mean, I haven't read the literature, but I bet you there are counter arguments to these kinds
1: of findings. Sure, but this is this is, a met, this is a meta study of uh, sorry, I think thirteen different independent yeah, by studies. One group of authors. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, fine. But like you know, <laughs> and this is not um, just one one. This is a, this is using these established uh, tools of these five right. big personality traits. Single biggest predictor of earnings is agreeableness right and if you score low on agreeableness <clears throat> then you then you will earn more money That's okay it. and what agreeableness and essentially what that boils down to is grumpy old farts like yourself yeah. will be will be more will go in and say i deserve more money and i'm not going to be nice and women yeah. women on average on average
2: you didn't need a team of psychologists to tell you that no
1: you did <laughs> Welcome to the
2: to the to the
1: school of the bleeding obvious. <laughs> well right?
2: it is No and this it, is my problem no. with all of these <laughs> bullshit psychology arguments. I think it's a big waste of time because they just end up spitting out the obvious questions back
1: in. No, because I think someone someone can legitimately say that, you know, it's unfair you know, the it's the idea of the quality of outcome versus equality of opportunity, right? And so there's there's lots of societies, uh, um, uh, Scandinavia is a good example, where they've gone through extreme levels to try and to diversify quality of outcome. So they want fifty percent engineers, fifty percent nurses in in gender equality and actually what that's leading to is the opposite in countries that are trying to be more egalitarian men and women are getting more different that's what the data suggests which is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect right and you would never well, have known that i've been
2: that. to sweden and a lot of those women i tell you what you don't want to get on the wrong side of them <laughs> they're not agreeable well that's exactly right um
1: but you know so it's, it's really interesting is that that, that so, so then so the reason that so so women out there if you want to earn more money be more uh be less agreeable and that's that's what the data suggests
2: okay i'm (laughs) willing to buy that (laughs) yyz Limelight, cracking tune, oh, one right. of the most radio played tunes that is in Rush. Very accessible. Anyway, um, you, you know what I'm going to talk about for Limelight. There's only one thing I can talk about.
1: What? Well, what do you think Limelight is? What's Limelight? It, what are you are going to talk about um, sodium lights. No, do you not
2: know what Limelight is? I thought you were a chemist.
1: What are you going to oh, talk about? Chemists on the back
2: foot. When you talk about Limelight, he's in the limelight. He's yeah, on stage yeah. in the limelight. Do you know where that comes from? That's from the stage lights, right? Yeah, but do you know how they're made? Uh, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, it's a chemistry question. Steve's never heard of it. So limelight is made through um, heating calcium oxide right. with an oxyacetylene torch. Wow. And it glows with a brilliant white light. It becomes incandescent. And it's used, it was used in the theatre for many years in the 1800s. Right. That's how they got their bright lights. Ah.
1: Through a blowtorch. This is, is pre-electric pre, um, pre, uh, light.
2: Pre-electricity. Pre incandescent yeah. bulb, so it probably overlapped quite calcium a lot. Calcium
1: oxide, do you say.
2: Yeah, calcium oxide. It's quick basically. Yeah, yeah. So the calcium oxide, uh, oxyacetylene torch goes on it, it becomes incandescent. Yeah. Do you know what incandescence is?
1: Uh, do I? What you mean from from the fundamental physical phenomena. Well, just so the
2: the folks out there understand what incandescence is, do you I know mean, what
1: it is? I mean, presumably you're just you're you're exciting electrons to a higher. Um, electronic state and they're relaxing back right
2: down. Oh, it's actually a little bit different from that. That's a process that you might find in things like luminescence right. or in fluorescence. So changing electronic state yeah. and then an emission. So incandescence is something a bit different and it's just heating of stuff. And all of the atoms in the molecule, in the in the material wobble around very very vigorously. Yeah. And because of the changing um, uh, electron field around the atoms it form. induces photon emission. And usually, most things, like you and I, Mm. we emit in the infrared, so they're quite low-energy photons, so we're quite cool. If you heated us up, we'd start to glow, first of all, red, and then start to glow green, and eventually glow white hot. And that's why things become incandescent.
1: Yeah, I I never quite understand that, because if you you heat up metal, it doesn't go green. It goes orange, and Mm. then goes white. Oh, that's interesting.
2: Does well, it? I think probably there's a broad spectrum and it probably accumulates colours along the way. So it, there may be a bit of orange, there may be a bit of green, so it's somewhere mm-hmm. in, in between until you got a bit of blue at the end, then it would appear white to you. But that's what incandescence is anyway. Right, OK. So it's just the heating of things. So an incandescent bulb, it's just electricity passing along a thin wire of tungsten until it heats up
1: really, really hot. Yep.
2: And then it glows. Usually glows, this sort of yellowish
1: colour. Well, it? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I suppose... So the saying is that the... the that that will also be outputting a bunch of infrared photons you're not changing it's outputting heat which is why a bulb isn't very efficient at giving out light yeah yeah. So it it it'll, it'll
2: produce a range of I mean, the atoms won't be wobbling all at the same frequency yeah so but it's related to the, the energy of the photons that pop out are related
1: to how vigorously the atom and presu- presumably what the, the the composition of the atoms as well exactly
2: well quick lime's just got a really really high melting temperature yeah. several thousand degrees like tungsten exactly so it's very it emits a very very bright white incandescent heat light okay so that's what limelight is basically but it's not very good what do you think would be the problem with using limelight in a theatre might be
1: well someone with the loads of material when you have got, you've got an oxyacetylene torch so it's basically, there's basically a dude, a flame thrower. so basically a dude a so basically
2: a dude with a big block of quicklime with an oxyacetylene torch, torch pointing it at it and someone with a mirror pointing Standard. it around on stage
1: Wow. What
2: do you think the problem might be there? You might burn people. Burn people, and that happened a lot. Yeah, for instance, in the Brooklyn Theatre in New York in 1876, 278 people were burnt to death as a result. To of the death. Fire.
1: Yeah Wow. The workers or did they these were attend, people at the theatre. They attended the theatre and got yeah. burnt to death.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And wow. then the Royal Alhambra Theatre in 1882, uh, it burnt down and a wall collapsed. It almost killed the Prince of Wales, it's a future King Edward the Seventh. Wow. So of course, you know. They wanted to try and modify this.
1: I say that's fun. That that made me want to go to the theatre more. (laughs) If there was risk of death. (laughs) At the moment, there's this risk of Patrick Stewart. But if there was something,
2: if I was worried about a lion coming down and eating me. (laughs) So think of that the next time we listen to Limelight. you know what of all tunes <laughs> he's this, so happy this is so happy listeners this has i think my favorite guitar solo in it of all tunes of any tune wow it's a beautiful guitar so i urge you to listen to it. it's in the second so this tune is basically a 10 minute long track and it's split roughly into two just the one repeat, nearly, le- repeat nearly, seven, 11 minutes. nearly 11 minutes and the second part There's a guitar solo, but if you listen to it, it's beautiful because you've got the drums, the bass, and this this beautiful naked guitar just soaring around in their own kind of environment. There's no rhythm guitar; it's just the melodies. It's almost it's contrapuntal. It's Bachian. Yes, it's like a Bach counterpoint, and you can hear and the guitar just builds and builds and builds and builds to a beautiful, and then it goes into the final, and it's just a lovely, beautiful thing. What's your favourite guitar solo?
1: My f- of all time. Of all time. Oh, God. I, I, say, I know I'm putting this. you on the spot, because I've, I've already I've thought I'm about gonna, it. I'm going to have to think about that with a beer later. We'll say that on a Do you know what there. my second favourite almost is? Um, what is it?
2: I think it's, and this, people are going to ridicule me for this, but I do not care. Don't say
1: I have a town of California. No,
2: God's <laughs> sake, no. No, 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 no. What? It's a guitar
1: solo in I Want to Break Free by Queen. Oh, no. Do you know the one I mean? wow <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no! I can't. I love the video if I want to. You know that was banned in America. I'm not surprised. It was banned. I'm not bloody surprised. Just get a bunch of people dressed up in drag, and it was like we can't possibly show this. No, come on, it's ridiculous. You pervert people. Anyway, yeah, exactly because oh, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, the, the the track we're talking about is called the Camera Eye. Yeah. Oh my
0: god. <laughs>
2: There's a bit of and, them trying to do English accents in it at the end. Sorry to to drag. Okay, well, the well, world. I'm or sure. What gov? Because the first half's about New York, and the second half's about London.
1: Right. Yeah. The modern tale of two it's cities. It's about the quality of light and the differences in the cityscape. Well, I'm going to talk to you about eyes and cameras. So, how do you think your uh, eye compares to a digital camera today?
2: Um, it's probably. This is. I've heard. I think I've heard this before that. There's no point having really HD HD because actually your eyes are not HD enough to see the well, HD. We're
1: going we're to talk about it. So uh, it, so there's rods and cones in your eyes and they're responsible for being, seeing, seeing both things in the dark and, and, and colour. So these are lots of little
2: cells, little, little pixel cells at the back of your eyeball. And, you're and,
1: and so one one way you could try and, if you wanted to, if we said pose the question. So how many mega, what's the equivalent megapixels oh, for the that. eye? We, well, we can work it out. So one way you could do it is saying about the number of rods Countless and cones. The cells, yeah. Right? Uh, and actually that's kind of that we'll get on that there's about one hundred and sixty million rods on cones and actually um, uh, there's you know opt, op, people that work with optics uh, like you know like we do in in my lab have been thinking about ways to try and characterize things like uh, visual acuity resolutions you know people have been thinking about these problems for a long time. And one way they do it the visual acuity is to find um as the ability to resolve something divided by the, the distance, the, the angle, the arc minute between them. So, okay. you, so you can pick whatever you want. The
0: angle subtended at the eye.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what they used to say, <laughs> isn't it, in physics, isn't it? Yeah,
1: exactly. Subtends so, an angle of. Hmm. So there's a paper I found by this gentleman called Kurt Koenig from 1871, German guy. The whole thing's in, in German.
2: So you were um, are an avid.
1: Reader of German? No. The German? No. No, no. so I have
0: to come, read
1: we it. We come <laughs> in, we
0: come <laughs>
1: But he, he was one of the first people to have a look at it, um, to try and quantify visual acuity. And the way um, he did it, is he, uh, we used the, the idea of a line pair. So if you imagine taking like, like two yeah, lines,
2: like in a barcode,
1: like in a barcode and yeah. you move them further and further away yeah, from you, yeah, 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 at yeah. some point, They'll they're going to look, gonna the look, the look like one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so that's the definition he's using okay. for, for visual acuity. Yes. And so, 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 the, so the argument would be, that in order to see two line pairs, you've got to have two pixels right like you know like a black and a white one for the sake of argument yeah and so so we can use the the eye doesn't work in the same way but we can use that same thing to say what what kind of megapixels would we require to be able to see um to to be able to to, first of all to work out when the eye can see this line yeah and then say how many what would the equivalent uh it's basically a measure
2: it's basically a measure of inherent blurriness
1: uh, that's correct. Yeah. 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 So, so, but it's but it's not limited by the by the fact you're, um you might need like uh, corrective lenses. Yeah. It's limited by the fact that the fundamental engineering limit of your eyes. so You've okay. got perfect eyesight. You yeah.
2: Twenty twenty vision.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, actually, more better than that. Um. Uh. But anyway, so that that number, that visual acuity, which is this one, the the uh, which is defined as uh one over a, where a is this. Yeah. Whatever you're measuring divided yeah. by the arc. So what is the it? arc minute? It's about 1.7 the value. Megapixels. Can, no, sorry, that's the that's the visual acuity. So that corresponds to. Well, you have to know the you have to know your um, angle of vision for the right. human eye. So to it make an approximation of about 120 degrees, is about right. right. Um, uh, and then you can work it. You work it through. It's about 700 and, sorry, 576 megapixels would be your eye. Wow. Right, and the, but what's the camera then? But well, it depends which camera you got. It's you
2: only going to be in a certain very narrow field of view. Exactly though, right? right, Nick. Cause... You
1: worked to that. So obviously, we the way we work is so we have a we have a um, uh, for via, We have a point where we have very high density of rods and cones, and then, and, mm. and, then, and then other areas don't. So that the equivalent would be in a digital camera that the middle of your chip was high density, lots yeah, of pixels, yeah. and the edge bits were bigger pixels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's actually how our eye works. It's and cool, innit? So yeah, yeah. And so ooh, the reason we ooh. do that. Well, why do we? Why do you think we do that? Why do you think we've evolved to have that? Why don't we just have a, an array of pixels, like like a, a fly does, for instance? A, fly, a compound fly eye works in exactly the same way as a digital camera.
2: Because you have to focus the light onto one point of your retina <coughs> to start with, and the lens has a particular shape which allows it to focus it on one point of your that's, retina. That's
1: that's one reason. Um, but 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 think about something else. So if, if there's 576 megapixels. What do you have to do with all that information? Oh, it's too much image processing. Exactly. Right. So it's actually a way of... of so, so by What's by, important? So, so, so we've got of a finite, finite amount of, of capacity in our brain to figure it out. Yeah. So what we're going to do is rather than c- computing all of these things that aren't important, we're going to look at something and just compute stuff yeah. in, in, in that in that field of view. Yeah. Um, so then you can go through and look at other parameters. You can look at the hum- the sensitivity of the human eye. Right? Mm. So the human eye, uh, you know, the way we measure sensitivity in the digital camera is an ISO rating. And you can do exactly the same things we did with resolution. You can say um, uh, the human eye can integrate. Really cool paper I found from the by Blackwell in 1946 where he works out that how long your eye can integrate for. So if you go into pitch blackness in the middle of lightness and in the middle of nowhere, and look at the stars, right? Right. What your eye takes, it starts to integrate for longer and longer, right? To be able to... So
2: your pupil will widen. P- pupil, so, depends uh, so about the light in. So you imagine your pupil's the same size, but it takes a while, so your brain starts to expose for longer. Expose for longer. So things Does it get, really? Yes,
1: up to 15 seconds. We'll do no it in complete way!
2: Dance. Yeah. Yeah, and that's weird. So basically, when you look at the sky and it's really, really dark, if you stay looking there for a long period, you have to keep your head still. Then exactly right, and then and you'll see more stars. Exactly right. So and then it will kind of like it will sort it'll of
1: slowly start to fade in as you get this kind of rolling ball average. And then it will average. reach a plateau. Exactly. Right. Oh wow! Isn't that and cool? then if
2: you look somewhere else,
1: then you'll have, have to, to start wait again. Yeah, because you have to integrate that it. Is and insane. and digital cameras do this, do you know those beautiful pictures you see of like the spiral arm and the yeah, Moby Way, and you I can't yeah, quite everyone see. knows how exposure works. Yeah yeah, 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 okay. So you leave
2: it on for a bit longer and then it looks amazing. Exactly right.
1: Goes into the middle of nowhere, yeah. like looks at the stuff. 1940, like, 1946. Right. Uh, counts the number of stars he can see. Sorry, sorry, this was, this was, a, this was the second paper quoting this first paper from yeah. 46. Using, uh, this, was, this was much more recent, using digital cameras. He right. said he went into the middle of nowhere, counted the number of stars he could see over a finite period of time, mm. and then used a camera and exposed for the same amount of time, 15 seconds, yeah, yeah. and then changed the sensitivity of the camera, turned it down and down and down, until the point he could count the same number of yeah, stars yeah. that he could with oh, his own eye. Wow. And so because of that, we know that your, the, the human eye has got a, an ISO value of around 800. Right. Wow. In in darkness, is that good? That's pretty. I mean, it's pretty good. So so you, that used to be the sensitivity of the of the film. Is that better film. than my phone? Much better than your phone. Yeah. Wow! Right. Well, but, I'll get rid
2: of my phone now. I'll <laughs> never look well, and light it anyway. but then
1: we get to the good one. The good one is dynamic range, and right. this is where your eye just kicks the ass out of the absolute best camera. Right. right. So so where the way we measure dynamic range is the brightest pixel. What well, how bright is the brightest pixel on your on your screen versus yeah. the dimmest pixel? And okay. on your on your laptop, that value will be about well, about 1000 maybe 5000 10000 maybe times brighter yeah between okay. the darkest possible pixel okay. and the brightest possible sure. pixel your eye in not in direct sunlight this was measured with moonlight down to down to zero uh, um, 100 million to 1 sorry 100 uh, sorry let me double check uh, sorry it's 100 million to 1 100 million to 1 dynamic what does
2: that range. Mean, I didn't so 100 million so, so your you can eye tell can the difference see... between
1: the dimmest thing and moonlight light reflecting Whoa, off the moon really? 100 million Wow, and the best and, cameras? What? Uh, I mean, if you get a camera that does something uh, on average of ten thousand to one. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And, and and in sunlight, direct from sunlight, a billion to one contrast. Oh, imagine that's, if you could take because, a picture with your eye. Well, you know, well that's because you can vary the amount of light that goes into your eye with your pupil, and you can also vary this exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the very dark. I mean, it's a little bit unfair because you could do the same with, with cameras. But yeah, we're way way faster. It's amazing. And then and then finally to bring it all together, you know these fancy. Um, Uh, virtual reality headsets that we get now so one of the things they're coming up against um, is that they don't have the computing power to be able to render all of these things in virtual realities in, um, in real time so do you know what they're doing? No. They're doing now for VR rendering. They're calling it. So the idea there is exactly as we do that we look at a certain area and there's a high density of pixels. They're doing that. So they so they're they're looking where your eyes looking in the VR. There's little there's little sensors that watch oh, where your eye goes. See, see, when I you see. look at a region, so it will it start becomes, to start to render those areas so where like you're, you're looking. So it's
2: got your eyes have got like headlights on them and just illuminate something in detail.
1: Exactly, and then and then it starts to, to decide. So it can so it can draw. You can use the the computing power to create high definition Freaking. wherever you're looking. At. But to that's exactly how point, you're To save on person, just like your brain does. Well, that that
2: is fantastic. And you know, I'll never be able to listen to the camera again in the same way ever again, (laughs) even the guitar solo. chant we chant we chant They recorded this album in a place called Le Studio Le Studio Not far from Montreal Right in um Oh actually was it near a- Yeah it's near Montreal it was in um I think it was in Quebec, in uh, in Canada. And they got a load of people, got them pissed, got them out in the front of the studio late at night and just got them to sort of shout and have arguments and say things. And then they recorded it and made it a bit fuzzy so you couldn't really pick out the words. And if you listen to the start of the tune, you can hear all that. Yeah. Bunch of boring Canadians shouting outside a studio in the winter in Montreal. <laughs> anyway, Witch okay. Hunt, it's a magnificent
1: tune. You like this one, huh?
2: Oh, striding, beautiful. <laughs> Synths everywhere. You know, Good Melody, Bills and Bills. It's a great tune. Anyway, um, got me thinking about witch hunts, mm-hmm. obviously. And we all know what witch hunts are. to mean in the modern-day usage? Or, well, I think or? That Donald Trump's been a particular victim of a witch hunt recently, hasn't he? Yes, yet? he has. That's one example. There are many others. Right. But you're, anyway, not, you're not
1: talking about actually trying to find witches.
2: No. Well, I want to talk about the astronomer Kepler. Right. Do you know about
1: Kepler? No, I know about Kepler, but not about witches.
2: Well, he... Kepler, of course, is famous because he um, worked out about a lot more details about how the Earth and planets move around. Mm-hmm. Also, incredibly
1: talented uh, um, uh, optical physicist, developed a lot. We use Keplerian beam expanders every day in my lab.
2: Oh my goodness! Yeah. Anyway, Kepler—he came after Tycho Brahe, who was another genius. He was a Danish dude. Kepler was German. Um, he's interesting because he also—he was a mystic. And he thought initially that the, um, the orbits of the planets obeyed a law based around the platonic solids. Do you know what the platonic solids are?
1: The earth, uh, fire, water. No, yes. no.
2: Wands. Platonic solids are things like tetrahedron, oh, right, yes. cube, oh, well, and all jokes. of these polyhedrons. Yeah. There are a certain number of them. Tatine, right? Source. No, I think there's any how many polyhedra are there? Five or six.
1: Geometry was in ancient Greece. That was that you had to get to like the highest level. You had to get, the, you had to be like super smart to be able to study geometry. Didn't you? that was the highest possible bit thing you could study? Maybe. Yeah.
2: Anyway, there were five platonic solids. Right. There are only five. So I think they've got like equal-sided faces that arrange okay. in three dimensions. So we neither, neither just so tetrahedron is one example. a Cube is another. And I can't remember the one after that. Is. Steve, bear be in a, mind, an, Steve an, and I are not mathematicians. There's a be,
1: be an icosahedron. We'll be That's being. something like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Anyway, he thought that if you stack them, so if you imagine a tetrahedron in a, inside a cube, mm. inside the next one, inside the next one, mm. he worked out that they would be exactly the same as the orbits of Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, the known planets.
1: So he thought there were celestial spheres. Oh, you're going, you going to talk about the Tempest in a minute. No, I'm not, but okay. in an,
2: anyway, in another Rush tune, they mention the music of the spheres. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's the, a that's that's Shakespeare reference, to the Tempest. You know. Yeah, but originally it comes from Kepler. Yeah, yeah. Kepler.
2: Oh, maybe that's a good point. Maybe it came... I can't remember who came first. Kepler, I mean, Kepler was in the 1500s, so it's probably predates Shakespeare just. Sure. The music of yeah, the yeah. spheres. yeah, um, he He published a book, actually. It's called On the Revolutions of the Celestial Spheres. He thought that they made a music. He thought that the, the kind of... The, the harm, rub it, rubbing, rubbing, ag- rubbing
1: against each other.
2: Yeah, basically. Yeah, he thought there were these big crystal spheres that made tunes. Amazing. So he thought there was a music. Isn't a music how, how poetic is that? So Unfortunately, beautiful. he found his hypothesis was totally wrong. <sighs> and it's much more prosaic. And he came up with three laws. And basically, it's things like planets, when they're orbiting, sweep out an equal area in an equal uh, period of time. So a planet moving in an ellipse when it's moving fast will sweep out an equal sort of, imagine a trivial pursuit cheese. Yeah. They'll they'll make a, a, a cheese of the same area in the same period of time, regardless of how fast they're moving. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So that's one of his laws, and he's got a bunch of others. I don't want to bore people with them there You can look them up if you want. Anyway, his mother, I didn't know this, his mother got, um, put on trial for being a witch. No way. She did, yeah, Katrina Kepler. What was she accused of? She was of? accused variously of killing local animals and turning herself into a cat. <laughs> it got better. She had a six-year court case. The last you turned four- me into a newt. <laughs> the last 14 months saw <sighs> her attached with an iron chain to the floor of it. actually Kepler, who was an educated man, he what, had- what year was this? This Eight- was in the 1620s wow 1620s okay but he had to um he had to take a load of time out of his work to go and live where his mother was and defend her in court six-year case Look, my mum's not a witch so He had to learn legal he, he, there's there's existing evidence of the defense and all of the evidence and stuff yeah. like that um and you know someone went through it and found all this stuff and found that yeah he he really had to work really hard to stop his mother being burnt at the stake. Well, as
1: it was just Mother's Day, I think that's a f- fantastic way, thing to do, to, to stop your mother being burnt at the stake. You know, There's much better than my, you know, like, tawdry attempt at just uh, buying my mum some flowers. I didn't stop her from, from, from being convicted of witchcraft. Exactly.
2: Anyway, so there is a book you can read. It's called by Alinka Rublak. It's called The Astronomer and the Witch. I haven't read it yet, but it sounds like a cracking read. But there you go. That's a witch hunt.
1: Not only is this the last, the last track, yeah, on our on on the last album, yeah, but it's but it's the last album of the first season. of Oh the my Science God! Final. We've come to the end. This is it. So I had to find something good to talk about. Got, I'm, yeah. cl- I'm closing the show. Vital signs. Vital signs. So initially, I was going to talk to you about um, like uh, heartbeats and things. Like that's yeah. what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Do you know who's got the lowest heartbeat? Do you know what it's? Just out of interest. Who? Uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a couple of um. Well, what? A dead person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what living what's a uh, it's
2: probably like some kind of free diver or something some swimmer or something like that
1: yeah um, so you're right a lot of athletes have very low um, heart, resting heart rates Usain Bolt what do you reckon is resting heart rate
2: well he's a sprinter so it's probably not that low 33 beats per minute yeah it's pretty low
1: it's pretty low it's not that low yeah uh, Tour de France winner uh, Miguel Indurain. probably 20, like 28, 20 something like 28 like 28 yeah because your, your, your heart muscle is so strong that's yeah. the anyway I'm not going to talk to you about that mm. There's a thing I found, which I, I, I just like, It's so it's it's almost as poetic as Rush is that this exists. What I'm right. going to talk to you. So there's a line, there's a lyric. In fact, maybe you, you can you can sing along with me. Uh, there's a there's a there's a lyric that says, "Unstable condition, Assured symptom of life, mental and environmental change." That will stop playing. So env- I was thinking about environments, environmental change, right? And. And I was, I, I came across this um, really interesting Atmosphere experiment. <laughs> I found, I came across this really interesting experiment that the Russians have done. Okay, right. Um, and they were interested in the study of the Earth, in, in the environment. Right. And they wanted to know geography. Geography. We're going to finish science final on geography. And so they wanted to know the composition and how things varied in the mantle. Sorry, in the in the crust. Yeah. The, crust the, the Earth. Across yeah. the Earth. Do you know what they did? Uh, stuck a big pole down there. They dug a massive hole, <laughs> and not just well. Actually, it's not that massive, but it's really deep. Okay. Right? There's a there's a thing called. Normally, the, people wang like poles and tubes down there. Do you know
2: what I mean? Like you yeah. drill a big borehole.
1: Well, so do you know what the deepest one is? It's borehole. this Russian one. Yeah, so it's oh, called you the Polar Super Deep bore, Borehole. So that, can I guess? Yeah. So I'll give you. A, oh, I'll give you oh, let no. me tell you a little bit of background of this, right? So there's this place in in um, it's, it was a scientific Ten dr- drilling project. Uh, in the Kola Peninsula in Russia. Um, is that where... And they started Kola this in 19... 19- no, K-O-L-A. K- Kola? Yeah.
2: That's like Panda Cola. <laughs> yeah, is that like, where that maybe, comes pa- from? Maybe
1: Panda Cola comes from there. I don't know. I haven't, haven't done my research into Pandacola. Maybe they mine it in the borehole. <laughs> no, this is nine inches across the borehole. Yeah, but that's enough to get some cola. Eh? <laughs> you think it just spews out yeah, of the like ground a like a well yeah. of cola? Just bubbles up. You get a couple of derricks at the top. No, 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 no. So um, they they started digging this in 24th of May 1970, and they gave up in 1989,
2: right? So they were still digging?
1: For the main, most of the time, it took 24 years, they just, off and on, but for 24 years, kind of, that they were digging a hole, just digging a hole directly down.
2: Okay, you've got to guess how deep it is. Yeah. So I think 10 kilometres is an exaggeration.
1: I'd say maybe maybe four kilometres. 12,262 metres. 12, 12 km- kilometers that's, that's straight insane. down straight down
2: he must be like really exceptionally stable part of the earth there I guess we um, think it, bits would move around when you got down the bottom
1: Their goal. the goal was 15,000 uh, meters that was their goal that's, that's how insane. far they wanted to go so that's right. deeper than Everest is tall yes. Everest is about nine kilometers tall so imagine that but why did they do this right there was no like you think okay petrol or something or gas no. It's completely funded by the by the Russian government for, the, for just academic interest and just want to dig a hole. And what did and see they find them. down there? Really, some really interesting things. Did so, they find so, so first, dinosaur of all, first of all, like... Te- and dinosaur. Well, a dinosaur? Well, cavern? well, 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 So first of all, there's obviously the technological achievement of trying to dig a hole 12,000 metres deep, <laughs> right? right? Um, so they had to develop new uh, drilling technologies. What's they this going to do with
2: vital science, by the way?
1: The environment. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, So they went a third through, a third of the way through the the Baltic continental crust, right? Which is about, it's about 35 kilometers uh, 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 deep. Uh, So when they went down, they they found water, right? Which isn't interesting by itself. But when they think that there shouldn't be water that that really far down, right? uh, This is like, I think about 8,000 meters down, so eight kilometers down. Yeah. And where the water came from, this is really interesting. So the hydrogen and the oxygen that formed the water was squeezed out of the rock minerals. So that so so it's actually formed hydrated. It's formed from from the mineral. So so it's not just like it's not just water that was on the earth. It's mineral water. (laughs) that is exactly what it is. Yeah, Um, they found at six point seven kilometers down. They found fossils. Yeah, fossils they dug up. Twenty four species of Hitler down there. No, twenty four species of uh, single cell organisms, plankton. Uh, and they were all preserved apparently due to these incredibly high pressures at yeah, that early yeah, yeah. that's also why some of the the, the formation of water i'm amazed you could get
2: because the pressure towards the bottom of that borehole would sort of collapse the sides of the yeah.
1: the tube so it's just a re- actually you can look at it now, it's, it's, in fact so now they, you can they go there it's a the track. It. Nope. Wow. So, so they pressurized it so they they pressurized they had a pressurized um mud essentially that they used to lubricate the drill bit oh, right, right, right. but actually the did there's no pressure go down there no, it's only like this big. You could put a, you could, you for could a drop a child. A, you could drop a GoPro a child, down there. Think how long child. it would last. <laughs> well, you could <laughs> wear that, yeah. can you? But yeah, but it's got to be minutes, you know, before it. For, for Amazing. It. Um, so, so when they got to the bottom, the reason they stopped is because it was they, they expected. At, um, t- so uh, twelve kilometers down, which is so the rock down there is two point seven billion years old. Right. Um, they expected the temperature down there to be about hundred degrees. Right. You're getting hotter. because You're getting yeah. closer, um, but actually, it was much hotter. It's about 180 degrees, and at that point, all of the drill bits that they developed to get down there, yeah, yeah. they just don't work because it's like the, the rock doesn't behave like rock at that temperature. It starts to behave. So the the, the, the engineers described it like plastic. It they said they it behaves elastic. more plastic. more plastic. like plastic than rock. Um, so yeah, they so they so 12 kilometres, which is uh, the, the the about a third of the way through the crust, and then the mantle starts, which is another 28,000 kilometres. Um, so think about this right it put another way um, it took 24 years and a drill and we managed and we managed to get Zero point zero zero two percent the way to the middle of the Earth, mm. just from drilling. And we did it just because it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it's isn't that great,
2: cool? isn't it? Wow. Well, what a way to finish! <laughs> it's just vital poetic signs.
1: and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful reason to uh, do science. Well, I never have,
2: I never have come at that for vital signs No, but no. I,
1: isn't it's a nice, it's a nice yeah. thing, isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: How are you doing? Oh, right, How's things? Oh, Haven't right. seen you in a while. I
0: oh, know. I've been, uh, you know, I've been doing lots of bits and pieces. Been down the allotment.
1: Down the allotment. We found before that you now that there's 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 more than one person in in, in your household in Wolverhampton. There's Marjorie and oh, you Marjorie, and yeah. and uh, and and now she's we,
2: come down the allotment
1: so She, does, she no, looks no, after no. the house. She doesn't work.
0: She just come. Do- she just yeah. work now and then. Yeah. But, yeah. What's your
1: favourite vegetable to grow at the allotment?
0: Uh, carrots. <laughs> Carrots
1: Love them Great mate Yeah Anyway I love Rush (laughs) Do you like Rush? I like
0: them Yeah they're great Yeah Yeah.
1: Even though they're not from Wolverhampton
0: Well they're kind of like I don't know They used to come to Birmingham a lot Used to come to Birmingham All the time Yeah Used to come to Birmingham And um, I love them
1: Yeah Yeah Do you like Billy Lee?
0: Bit of a high voice.
1: Yeah, he has got a bit of a high yeah, voice. Yeah,
0: I like him. The drummer's a bit
1: boring. He's a, bit, he's a good drummer, though. Guitar player, he's a good laugh, is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he got arrested once by the police. Yeah. For, like, beating up a copper.
1: Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Do, do you like that? Does it yeah. make you a bit of a... He's a bit of a I renegade. Think he
0: was, I think he got, got provoked, to be honest. No, it wasn't his
1: fault. Okay, well... You know, Very sure. officious
0: in America, aren't they? The police... <laughs> Have they're you not like been, the puppies here, are you, they? Have you ever been to America, Brian? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, where'd you go? I went to Florida.
1: You went to Florida? Yeah, right. Cape Canaveral,
0: Gavey we'd see the alligators. Great, mate. I can't remember. Disney, is it Disney? Disneyland?
1: Disney, yeah, I think Disneyland
0: so. or Disney World? I can't I remember. It's great,
1: though. Okay, you enjoyed it. Drive
0: down Miami Beach, didn't I? In, uh, what are they cars called? they like a Magnum,
1: is it? Oh, you wanted the uh, the, the Testarossa, so like you could be a Magnum.
0: Bloody love the Magnum. I was Hanging out the window, looking at all of the peaches on the beaches. You know what I'm saying? I know.
1: Do you know exactly, what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Right? Anyway, guys, anyway, anyway I your, to... You know, we're talking about Rush. It's good. You know, this is. I think this is a great Rush album. Yeah. And yeah. what was the? You know, we've been chatting about them. What's your favourite?
0: It's, it's, gotta Sawyer, it's got to be Tom Sawyer, mate. It's
1: Got to be Tom Sawyer. I, I can't it. think of any way to finish. uh um Science vinyl. I
0: put it on whenever I'm on the Space Invaders. Whack on a bit of Tom Sawyer, Kalem aliens. With
1: a pint of Banksies.
0: With a little bit of synthesizer <laughs> in the background. A Put bit. your feet up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, make them go.